If you are a Braveheart, the next hour is just for you. Welcome to Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold. In this program, you'll learn who the Bravehearts are and connect with them to help change the world. By doing so, you'll be changed for the better. Now, here is your host, Brian Reinbold. And welcome, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned into voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're going to talk about championing social corporate responsibility. Uh, every time I hear that intro music come in for the show, I think that's, it, it, that sounds like a... Like a, a, a um, a high standard to measure up to, and that's uh, that's the objective of the show, is uh, to measure up to that standard of uh, changing the world. Uh, so, uh, championing social corporate responsibility—that's our topic today. Connect with us at BraveHeartsForKids.org and BraveHeartsRadio.org, where you can find all the past episodes in the show links section. You can also find a place to donate now. If you like the work that we are doing and would like to help you help help you help us to continue that, uh, my guest today is Charles Antis. Charles is the CEO and founder of Antis Roofing and Waterproofing. He is an inspirational leader in the corporate social responsibility movement. And I use the term movement in particular. I've said it before many times in the show. In the third millennium, I believe that every truly successful business will be some form of social enterprise. And uh, uh, Antis Roofing and Waterproofing is uh, the kind of business that I would describe as a social enterprise. Welcome, Charles. Thank you. That's a very nice introduction. I, I don't know where to go from there, but I, I love being considered in with your cohorts of Bravehearts, and it's a great honor for me to be here today and, and share with you some stories of how I got here. Well, I appreciate that. You know, the, um, uh, the Braveheart concept came about, I, I do a, a, a workshop called the Idea Hierarchy, and we did one for the Board of Directors of Bravehearts for Kids at, uh, to, you know, to make the story uh, the, the simple and short version of it, uh, we came up with uh, 900 uh, I- good ideas and brainstorming, narrowed them down to three by the end of the second day. One of them was to expand the concept of Braveheart to uh, anyone with the courage to be of service to others. And so that, uh, within a few months, uh, 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 became the seed for Bravehearts Radio, where we we seek to connect with people who have an inspirational story, people who are changing the world, um, you know, people who run other charities. Um, we, we think that doing good anywhere does good everywhere. So if we help another charity, it's not hurting brave hearts. It's making the world better, and that helps us and the people that we serve. So, I lo- love it. I'm a 100% believer in everything you just said. And you've been you've been very involved in the uh, uh, as I as I put it the uh, social corporate responsibility movement. Um, you, you know, I spent most of my most of my life, most of my career uh, in sales, working with small businesses. And I had the idea. Well, I think about 13 years ago, I started doing a, a talk. I called it the Chamber of Commerce talk, and I would uh, speak to a group of business leaders and. 
talk, uh, you know, talk about the idea that, uh, you know, you're, you're passionate about your business, right? Yeah. And, uh, and you want to have people that uh, are passionate about your business that work in your business too, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, um, uh, you know, the, the, the expectation was that now Brian's going to explain how that's going to work. And, and what, uh, what I would really come up with is something more like, well, you know, get real. They're, you're, they're not going to be passionate about your business the way that you're passionate about your business, but they will be passionate about something. Let them be. Mm-hmm. Encourage them. People that are passionate and bring that kind of energy to the workplace are simply good for business. I agree. You know, when you, when in the intro, you talk about you believe that all businesses uh, can't exist just to make money. They have to do good. They, they better have a reason they exist or they, or they're, they're not going to be in business. That's what you're saying. Those are my words saying the same thing. But one thing that I love to realize lately, and this is kind of an aha moment of somebody who's tripped into social responsibility over the last 30 years is, is I look back and the stories of my grandfather, who's now deceased, now come to life. My grandfather uh, grew up in Arkansas and he kind of came west in the Dust Bowl and he was just chasing crops. He was a crop. He was picking beets in Idaho. He ended up in in Oregon, Washington, northern Northern California, I mean, and, and southern Oregon. And he ended up in the logging business. He was cutting down trees. In fact, Grandpa says he was the first one to operate a power saw uh, in, in, in Northern California around Mount Shasta. And so the interesting thing about this is his Grandpa worked for McLeod Lumber Company. And if you do a little research on McLeod Lumber Company, you're going to see something that's kind of what we're talking about right now. They took care of their people. They, because Grandpa tells these stories that he came and he settled there and he worked there for all these years. And, and they had doctors and they had clinics and they had camps. And when their phone went out or when their, something went out in their home, they called somebody, they came and fixed it. And they built a community. In fact, they, had, they did so much, they actually had a baseball team, and, and they were a semi-pro baseball team, and Grandpa got a trial with the St. Louis Cardinals, and he told that story every time I saw him till the day he died. But, but I think that I, I, there's something powerful about how businesses can become, and sometimes we look back a while, we can see it. You know, almost like that, that, that Jean Valjean story where after his beautiful moment of forgiveness, redemption, he builds a company, but he doesn't just build a company, he takes care of the people, there's that story that I think today is what compels me, what dri- it's what drives me. I believe that, that all of the resources need to go back into the, this company's, uh, to, it needs to go back into the people and then back into the community if I have any desire to stay in business. So I just want you to know I'm, I'm 100% aligned with your philosophies there. I appreciate that. You know, everything reminds me of a story. It reminds me of the uh, the story attributed to Andrew uh, Carnegie, the uh, steel uh, magnet from the railroad building days. And uh, he he said uh, he was being interviewed in, at one point, and uh, he said, "You know, you could take away all of the resources that I have, all of the money, but if you leave my people, if you let me have the people and work with them." In five years, I'll have more than I have now. <laughs> that's a good quote. And I it's, like you that. know that, that's it's it's the idea, that, and and it's um, um, you know your your grandfather, the grapes of wrath story. You know, uh, there, there mm-hmm. there's a, yeah. a a cultural reference that uh, that uh, hopefully is not lost 
on on the Bravehearts. Uh, is that a that, is that an old uh, Jimmy Stewart movie too? Um, but the yeah. Uh, yeah, the you know the the grapes of wrath, you know, going moving from the Dust Bowl. I think they were Okies, but uh, moved out to California. Well, don't don't ask me to, to bust out my Jimmy Stewart because I'll do it right, <laughs> right here on the spot. <laughs> I was I, it's the wonderful life quote that's the one that always comes. That's great. You know, we could, uh, you know, if we get talking movies, we could just, we could really roll right along with this thing here, you know, because, uh, you know, sometimes uh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll jump into, you know, do a little Tevya or something like that. I have four <laughs> authors, you know, uh, but uh, you used a term um, that uh, is, is just absolutely near or dear to my heart. Uh, you, you said there was an aha moment. And you know that during the um, uh, during the summer this year, uh, starting a, a Memorial Day uh, the Memorial Day weekend personal retreat, and not something I do each uh, each holiday is do a personal retreat, uh, take some time and and think about uh, uh, what I'm grateful for and what and then what's next from there. Um, so the, the it, it, in uh, in May, came up with the idea. Okay, I'm going to call this the summer of abundance because uh, the way that it was shaping up was um, a lot of time at home, a lot of time to think about um, uh, about and plan and things that I do at a retreat. And I thought that is an abundance of time. That is a time to revel in the abundance of time. And so I, I started. Uh, uh, working on the idea that you know it's a summer of abundance, and we work, we've worked from that perspective, and then as we moved into fall, I said uh, we're going to transition. We're going to um, in th- this fall the uh, the theme for the show is the aha moment, and uh, I think of the aha moment as that uh, that time when the authentic voice, that quiet voice that speaks from within. Uh, gives you uh, uh, gives us a little um, uh, bit of wisdom, and we can say, "Oh, aha! Wow! I I didn't I I knew that I knew that all all along, and it was in here the whole time." And uh, so that that's part of the uh, uh, part of the program um, today is to, to see what what is the what is an, an aha moment for you? And you already mentioned one, but. Uh, get you know becoming a uh, uh, a social corporate responsibility um, movement leader uh, w- was there a, a specific time uh, or event that uh, that was the aha moment for you Charles yes so, so I love this thank you for saying that because I I'm having a, an aha moment right now that I'm going to come back to but I can't properly explain my current aha moment without going back 31 years. And so the initial aha moment that little did I know would set me on the course of our company being a socially responsible company. So it happened uh, when the year I started my business and it wasn't a year of abundance. It didn't feel that way. And looking back, I take that back. It was a year of abundance. I just didn't know it at the time. The abundance doesn't always show up in the ways that we're used to searching for it. But for me, it was uh, the abundance was I started my own business. It felt like I started it because there wasn't enough work where I worked, but I started my own business and I only got about two calls a week. I'm a roofing contractor. 
but I didn't have any employees. I didn't have any kettles. It was just me. And so I needed to convert calls to, re- to, to work, and all I could really do is repair. So I would get a call. Someone had a leak. I'd go fix it. I would make a little money, and it was how I survived in the very beginning. And I got a call one day uh, under this kind of condition. In fact, in fact, calls were so important, I'd put weather stripping on the home bedroom converted to an office in case somebody called they wouldn't hear my daughter and so I got a call one day from a lady and she had leaks in every room and that's a great setup and so I'm heading out there the next day in LA to look at the leaks and I'm near the airport and I notice as I'm getting closer to the area where the home would be their homes are getting more disheveled I've seen a little graffiti until finally I turned on the street where the home would be and I just saw like this dead grass and this small home set back with like a 140 and a half number on. So I'm hoping it's not it when I knock on the door. And then three things happened that really set the course. And this happened really fast. But when the door opened, I saw this woman who had a, a really a distinct facial expression, like, I am not having a good day or a good month. Like she was not, I would almost say she was in pain. But before I could say hello, I was hit with the second thing, which was a wave of mildew. I smelled mildew like I'd never smelled before, which nearly knocked me down. And so then I just recoiled and I was, I was trying to leave. And as I turned to leave, wondering what I was going to say to this woman with this look on her face, I felt a tug at my finger and I looked down. I just see this little girl and she's about five or six. She has blonde hair and completely a different expression than her mom and me. She's got like this smile ear to ear and she's pulling me into her house like she hasn't had a visitor in a long time. And we go through this crowded living room into this undersized hallway and until finally she pulls me into this room and I know it's her room because she's pointing to this uh, poster on the wall like a My Little Pony poster. But at the exact time that she's smiling and pointing at the wall, my eyes are drawn to the floor where I see four mattresses with mold on them, on the bedding. And I just froze. I, I didn't know what to do. I, I, I was catching up to the situation like, okay, there's no money here. This is a, I've never been in a condition like this. I think I need to go, but this little girl's smiling at me. And this lasted for a really long time. It might've been 30 seconds. It seemed really long until finally the mom walks back and walks into the room with that same expression. And when I saw that expression, and I don't know why it didn't trigger with the daughter, but I saw the mom's expression. Something came out of me that I never, ever recall saying before, but I looked at this woman and I said, I'm going to take care of your roof. And her name just came to me. I don't think I've ever said her name was Helen. I don't know why it came to me right now. I haven't told that story a thousand times, but I said, Helen, I'm going to take care of your roof. But I remembered as soon as I said that, I didn't know um, if I could or if I would. I just didn't know. I hadn't, I hadn't experienced anything like this in my life before. But that I, I went up on the roof hoping it was like a small hole and it said she needed a whole new roof. And I, I just, I panicked, but I, I, I'd given my word. And there was yeah. something powerful. And I think something right now that I would like to go back to, but my intention, my intention in that moment was to give that woman a roof. And I was afraid that I said it, but that was my intention. And I think if we enter a situation with real intent, it seems to me at those moments in my life, something happens. And that's what happened because I got on the phone that night and I got six volunteers because I didn't have any employees yet. And I went and I went and bought the material, but we went up on that roof and we gave them a goopy, goopy on the outside, but dry on the inside roof. And that family stayed in that house. And this is, even though I didn't have any employees yet, 
there's something powerful about that story because that camaraderie that was felt with those volunteers, I'd see them from time to time years later, or, or the, the, the siblings. There were six kids in that house, and six or seven kids. And every time I would run into one of those siblings, which I haven't for over a decade, but there was always this feeling of like, you know, like a high five, a hug, when that wasn't always the case back then. And, and looking back now, Compared to what I have at Antis Roofing today, that was our culture. It, there was something live, living, tangible that no doubt kept us in business. In an industry where three out of five businesses fail every three years, we've been in business for 31 years. And looking back now, that was my aha moment. It just didn't aha then. It ahas now. I mean, a lot of stuff happens to us in our life sometimes, but we don't necessarily pause to examine it and reflect and test our old thinking with better ways of thinking because it's counterintuitive to say, if I give this away, I'm going to have more. In fact, I could still can't make sense of it. I don't get into why it works or how it works. I really focus on that it's working and how it work and how it builds the bridge all the way to everybody. But that, that's my aha moment back then. And then it led to, you know, a habitat risk. We get a phone call about 15 years ago or not that long, 12 years ago from Sharon Ellis, CEO of Habitat for Humanity Orange County, and she asked if I'll donate a roof. So it was so easy to say yes. But little did I know once I said yes to that roof, after all these years of, of patching roofs and giving people roofs because they didn't, I couldn't let anybody have a leaky roof just because they didn't have the money to pay. And I'll say that again because it was, it's, a, it's a condition that I find that roofing professionals are stricken with across the country. We can't let somebody have a leaky roof just because they don't have the money to pay. And, and so, but it wasn't formal. In fact, I didn't talk about it. I was embarrassed about it. I thought it was bad karma to talk about it. I thought it would make people ask for more and I wouldn't be able to give. But when <laughs> Habitat asked us to give, we donated a roof and they started talking about it. And they wrote this, they, they, in the paper, they said one day, they said, Antis Roofing, donating roofs, transforming lives. And to me, it sounded blasphemous. I'm just telling you, there was a certain maybe humility my dad taught me. And I thought, we can't say that. But then it allowed me to pause and realize the board that I'm now on, the board that I was on by the time I started saying that, I started to realize we are transforming lives. These families that couldn't have any sort of a boundary, uh, they were having they had trouble with the next generation. Yet if you examine the lives of every Habitat family, and we've donated the roofs in the last 11 years of over of 80 families' homes now, over a million dollars in roofing, and if you look at the lives of what's happening with all those kids going to college, that buffer they have of having a safe home and that they bought, you know, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. And once I was able to experience that by, by talking about it, and we had to talk about it, if we didn't talk about it, then how could our employees know or care why they were up on that roof? They were just getting a paycheck. They didn't know that it was special until we started talking about those families. And then, we, and then our stakeholders, all of our supply chain, our clients, it matters. And it matters also in the way eventually I learned it matters because it shows up in the quality of the roofs. But when Habitat started saying that, we learned that we could talk about it. There's a certain humility that you have to hold, and it, and it feels really impossible at first. But once we learned to live in that space with other thought leaders of C that focused on CSR, we learned that there was a safe zone to talk about it so long as you really do it. And if you are a company that every week is going out there and trying to, whether your thing is, is like us with Habitat, keeping families safe and dry, or whether it's you're like me, and I know you are like me because you know I'm on the board of Ronald McDonald House, and, and the reason that I'm there just like you is we think it is unimaginable to ignore sick children. When you have that kind of, of resolute 
intention that shows up in your actions and it shows up in how you talk about it and how your people talk about it and how your stakeholders talk about it, then you are able to totally change the world. And that's a place that once you get a taste of that, you hope that it lasts forever because you sleep better than you've ever slept. And that's kind of how it feels for me today. I still have stresses of a business. I still have uh, payrolls to meet. I wonder, you know, I wonder sometimes like if it's all going to go away like we do when we wake up at 3 a.m. But I have such an additional uh, uh, aid in my rest today. I have such so many additional buffers by the good that we do in the community and by the, the way that my employees have this better than it's ever been today, knock on wood. I mean, we have the best culture. We have job security. People love their jobs and they're secure. But it all starts because we look at ourselves as a family that has a responsibility in the community. And it didn't happen overnight, but by saying it and trying to be it and projecting it, that's who we've become. And it's the best, it's the best job any CEO it's the best job I've ever had. It's the best job I could ever imagine as a CEO. And I like to say this without sounding like I'm, bra- sound like I'm bragging, like I have the best CEO job in the world. Yeah, it's, that's, that's, a, that's a good feeling. And I'm struck by the idea that it all began because you were what I call a braveheart. You had the courage to be of service to someone else. And in that moment when, uh, when, the, when the fear uh, said, uh, I got to get out of here, uh, you had the courage to say, um, I'm going to overcome that fear. And that's what, we, that's what courage is, is, is the ability to overcome fear. Hey, we're going we're gonna to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back uh, with uh, Charles Antis from Antis Roofing and Waterproofing on Bravehearts Radio. Stick with us. We'll, we'll be back on the other side of 60 Seconds. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Bravehearts Radio is sponsored by Bravehearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. 
And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned into voiceamerica.com. We're with the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're talking about championing social corporate responsibility, also known as CSR. Corporate Social Responsibility. Uh, You can connect with us, BraveHeartsForKids.org, BraveHeartsRadio.org. If you're interested in the mission-building retreats and thought leader summits that we are doing by Zoom video, connect with me at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org or by LinkedIn. We make a lot of good connections through LinkedIn. Uh, Our guest today is Charles Antis. He is the CEO and founder of Antis Roofing and Waterproofing, an inspirational leader in the corporate social responsibility movement. You can connect with him uh, at antisroofing.com for the website or uh, look for Charles on LinkedIn. And we were just talking about that. And I'm always interested in how how we make the connections. And and, uh, uh, I'd like to... uh, uh, a shout out to uh, my, my good friend, Roger Dieterle, because uh, in some ways, it seems like every show goes back to a connection with Roger. Roger connected me with Patricia Neal at the, at the Center for Purposeful Leadership. And I was on a, on a Zoom call with, uh, with them earlier this year. I met Ann Fox in a breakout and Ann said, uh, we both said, we love doing retreats. And she said, hey, I'm doing one. And, and uh, so I met Daniel Gutierrez. Uh, who uh, is uh, doing a retreat in uh, the Sacred Valley of the Incas near Machu Picchu in Peru. And uh, at uh, the first retreat that we did with Daniel, I met Sonia Farrell from California. She connected me with Jay Shear from Florida. And he said, man, you got to talk to Charles Antis because uh, he really has a story that that we should... We should uh, get on Brave Arts Radio. So that's the that's the uh, the the down and dirty quick version of the how the connection came about. Going that's back our to seven Roger. degrees, our Kevin Bacon separation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. Um, I often say we live in the best time in the history of the world. The best place in the history of the world is it's getting, it's great and it's getting better and it's getting better fast. And it's exciting to see it happen, but it's exhilarating to be part of making it happen. And sometimes I get some pushback on that and say, yeah, you know, don't you follow the news? And say, yeah, I do. I, I you know, can't, can't uh, ignore the news, but uh, I'm also kind of uh, something of a student of history. And when you look at um, uh, where we are now, you know, compared to grand, your grandfather in the Grapes of Wrath times and my grandfather coming to uh, North Dakota from Romania to set up uh, his own coal mine and living in a tent in North Dakota for a couple of years. You know, the, we, we live in a, in a wonderful, wonderful time. And um, uh, that, that is uh, my way of segueing, Charles, into uh, what, what you were describing when we were talking during the break about the real aha moment. And uh, I'd like you to uh, share that yeah. with us. Well, okay. I, I think we're talking about really the, what's going on in the world. And, and I, I appreciate what you're saying. It's the, there's a lot of rubble that we could look at, but we always know that beautiful, beautiful growth happens when there's rubble. And I, and I have to live there, by the way. And I, and I can't walk there today. I haven't looked at the news. If I looked at the news today, it would poison my ability to be able to stay balanced and really keep with this positive intent. So there's a certain way that I have to balance 
my news intake if I'm going to be a positive leader and drive things forward. And, but, but the really tough time came. It was a tough time for me. Um, I'll tell you, I did my last live keynote uh, for Paul Botts in Minnesota at his breakfast series, and, and he's a great leader for corporate social responsibility. And, and I was up there in Minnesota at the end of February where I'd heard about this, what was going on, but I didn't really know it. And I came back, and next thing you know, um, um, there's no more flights. And next thing you know, and, and I, by the way, I got sick right then. And I thought I had COVID. I just didn't have any way to process this. And I was afraid and I was home and I was talking to my leadership and people were getting scared. And, and it really became clear to me, we need to be steady in the moment, but I didn't know what to do or say, cause I hadn't lived through this before. In our industry, it became really uncertain. Like a lot of roofing professionals were curious, like, can we continue? And that part was really easy for me to see like, Oh, this is an essential service when you know we had a rain going on right then we have to get out there and protect these homes who else if not us and that part wasn't hard but the rest of it was hard like our habitat builds were stalled we weren't building on habitat and so our, our meals of love at ronald mcdonald house we go prepare meals for the families they were stalled and so our giving part of who we are by how we see ourselves was completely stalled how do we even talk about it it suddenly didn't feel like the front page story when there was these new problems. And these new problems were something that it took a while to hear. I don't know what it was like for other people, but I heard about food insecurity. And food insecurity to me, I, I've done some research. I know the CEO, uh, Her- Harold Hermie here in, in Orange County of Second Harvest Food Bank, but, and he's talked about it, but it didn't hit home with me. And all of a sudden, my, my director of cause, Susan DeGrassi, comes in about a weekend, and I'm feeling a little bit better. We're still being steady in the moment, but we're not really directing a lot of our messaging. And she says, food insecurity is hitting us and everywhere. 20% of Orange County can't necessarily get all the food they need. They're food insecure. And, uh, and so I reached out to some friends of mine at Waste Not OC, and they hooked me back to Second Harvest Food Bank. And I said, how can I help? And they said, you can come drive a truck. And I'll be honest with you, I did not want to drive a truck, Brian, because it was foreign to me. I wanted to be inside my home right then, but I understood because it took me three days of hearing it, food insecurity, food insecurity. Oh, these senior citizens in Orange County, just like the rest of the country, they're not getting enough food to eat unless trucks, people that have trucks like I do, decide to go donate a few hours in the afternoon to drive boxes of food to senior centers and to individual homeowners. And I went and did it, and I was uncomfortable, but I did it. And and I'm so glad I did because I took a box of food to this lady, and she was uh, in a in a probably about 80 years old. And we weren't supposed to bring it in, uh, but when I got up to the top of the stairs, I called her, and she says, "Can you bring it in?" And of course, I said yes, and I brought it in, and she backed off, and I laid it on a chair, and she looked at me, and she just started smiling, and she didn't touch me. She wanted to, I think she wanted to hug me, but we both knew that was against the rules. She started saying this to me. She started saying, "Bless you." bless you. And she, she didn't stop saying it. She kept saying, bless you. And I was a little bit awkward at first, but then all of a sudden, I can't tell you how I felt there, but I felt really good. And for the first time since the whole world started spinning, standing on this porch on this condo with this 80-year-old woman looking at me with this half smile telling me, bless you, man, I felt blessed. So I felt like something awoken in me again, you know, like, wow, I just I didn't know what I was doing. I just said yes to this, but all of a sudden I got a story that I got to tell everybody because there's got to be a, a lot more people just like her. And, you know, before I left that home, she did something else. She, she said, wait a minute. And she came out and she, I thought she was going to give me something, but she didn't. She had, a, she had an empty, really empty tube of Colgate toothpaste and a bar of hotel soap. And she goes, I could use some more soap and toothpaste. And you know, I think it just hit me in the moment, like there's other needs and we have to do something about it. And so what we did is we organized a campaign. 
And we found out over the next several weeks that the Second Harvest Truck Brigade needed to fill every Wednesday at 2 o'clock because they couldn't fill that slot. They couldn't get enough truck drivers to get the food. So we, do- we donated a fleet, three trucks, every Wednesday at 2 for the next four months uh, to deliver that food. And it became, par- it became part of our culture again. It be- in fact, in some ways, it had more high fives amongst my men delivering the food to the seniors than they did installing those roofs for, for Habitat for Humanity. We still do both, but it was a powerful moment. And then that story repeated itself with blood recovery. As I told you during break, I have an American Red Cross blood drive going on at Antis campus today where we're probably going to get about 100 life-saving treatments of blood donated. And this is our 16th drive we've had in the last four months. And I don't, that happened the same way. I don't know anything about blood recovery except I heard a story because my director of cause, Susan DeGrassi, is a DP for SoCal American Red Cross, and, and they said, we don't have places to draw blood. They're closing down our clinics because of the spacing, and we have this big 20,000-square-foot place. So she said, what about this space over here? We said, sure. We cleaned it out. We sterilized it, and now every week or every other week, we're having a blood drive, and we're setting them up more for the next month and the month beyond because we need blood. And all of a sudden, we're doing blood drives, and we discovered if we do a storytelling room, people tell their stories they, why they get blood, and people give more. And, and I have to tell you when I set that up. I have to tell you a story like this. Nigel comes in. He tells a story that he, he was struck with a condition that he had to give blood. He'd had this condition his whole life, and he resented it. He hated giving blood. He had too much iron until one day he met a little girl, a little girl who needed a blood transfusion every week just to survive. Mm-hmm. And it changed his perspective. It changed his life. And now he's there every eight weeks and he, you know, 30 years he's been given blood. And it was so cool that he told that story. And when I tell that story to my people inside my company, to my stakeholders, to my clients, then they get to experience that with me. And in the real life, real moment of how things are shifting, we're relevant. And the last thing we're doing, I just have to mention it, is the California Love Drop. And that's where Wing Lamb, the founder of Wahoo's Fish Tacos, is a big chain on the West Coast. He, he was able, he, I went to one of his restaurants one day and it was closed. And I go, Wing, how you doing? Can I help? He goes, yeah, I can keep four more restaurants busy if I can get people to sponsor these meals that will take doctors, to police, to fire, people that are frontline heroes. And he started this thing. It was his idea. It wasn't my idea. Once again, I said, sure. We started doing it. And we've delivered 100 meals now, or 100, uh, not 100 meals, 100, 100 meals a hundred times to police, to fire, to hospitals, to places where, and that's where you have stories like a police captain coming down and saying, thank you, with tears in his eyes, this is the first act of kindness they'd seen when things were really rough for them a few months ago, and, and how that turned their morale around, or we get to go give a thank you to doctors. And the reason I tell you these stories is none of these things, blood recovery, food delivery to the food insecure or, or support of frontline heroes. None of this we did before. It's all new, but we were, we were listening in the moment and we just said yes. And because of it, our brand is bigger than it's ever been in our market. And that's a, that's a feel thing. I don't have a lot of data to show you that, but it's a buzz thing that you can tell with when you're getting a lot of stories. And when you get a lot of stories that other people are writing, Boy, that's a lot better than advertising. And so when that happens, we're healthy, we're happy, we're proud in a good way. But the thing that I'm getting down to is not only are we making a big difference in the world and we sleep better at night, but our brand is relevant. And that's the thing. When I talk about CSR, 
I'm telling you, it better be real. Your story better be real. It can't be fake. You better be really into this. But I'm also telling you, you better talk about it. You better find a way to take that picture or it's not going to continue. If it's a habitat wall, you'll see habitat builds. You'll, you'll, stop when you're lifting that frame wall. Stop. Let's take the picture. And people roll their eyes sometimes. No, that's the most important part. This may not be the most efficient model in the world, but it's the largest home builder in the world by some measures, and it's mm-hmm. buying homes for people that otherwise couldn't afford them. It's helping them get a home they otherwise couldn't afford. So my point is, is, is doing it right now has made us more relevant, and it gets me excited. I'm going to stop talking because I realize I've been pacing now, and I'm getting excited, and you probably need to run your own show. So, but uh, yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah. excited about the, what we're doing today. I, you know, it's it's great listening to your stories, and I was at, you know, at at one point I was I was just thinking, Dad, can you tell me another one? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned Susan as the director of Cause, uh, and I, I noticed on your website uh, antisroofing dot com that uh, uh, you uh, refer to your employees as superheroes. I, I thought that was pretty cool. What a what a great way to lift people up. And, and have some fun well, doing it. We love that. Well, we tie into the, so I'm real, if you want to know yourself, do assessments, whether it's emotional intelligence, DISC, Myers-Briggs, uh, the superhero format that we were using there is the imperative model, which is based in Seattle. It's the imperative. I won't get into that right now, but it's a deep assessment of who you are and what fulfills you. And through that, I know what fulfills me. What fulfills me is awakening passion in others for social change. So that, that's one of the reasons I love telling stories of how we've awakened our business. But the real reason, Brian, is I love stories that awaken people to see themselves higher than they ever saw themselves before. And then not only are they happier, which is the most part that just fills me, they actually see joy and love when they look in the mirror, but then they can go out and do so much good in the world and, and do the same to other people. So there's really a people component. I am a people awakener at my best. That's I what it. I want to do. If I can effectively awaken people to see themselves forever higher, that's the most beautiful thing that I could possibly do in the world. And if I could do it right now on, your po- on this podcast to one person, if there's one thing that I said that they could take, like, I'll, I'll give one thing just because I'm doing this, a five-minute journal. Just write in the morning when you get up three things you'll great before, three things that'll make the day great, and a couple I am's. Do that every morning in the first five minutes. That alone will make your life more intentional and beautiful. So if, that, if anybody, if one person took that and got a five-minute journal or just journaled from now on to map out their intent for the day, and they, and they learned like me that what you intend to do all happens whether you do it or not, if you get your thoughts pure enough. And, and, and intention is a beautiful thing. I don't know. I said that earlier. I don't know how to talk about intention. I get real excited about it, Brian, but it's my new discovery. It's like I, 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 I volunteer for way more stuff than I should, and I, dang it, I don't know why I did it. I don't have time. But my intent, if it's pure, that stuff gets done. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to examine it more than that, but it, it, I think you experience the same thing. And that's what I experience with these world changers. If we think big thoughts and want to do great things, and that courage you spoke of earlier, then that's exactly what happens. We just don't have to define it. It just happens. 
Yeah, it really does. Um, this is this is an absolutely amazing conversation. Uh, Charles Antis from Antis Roofing and Waterproofing on Bravehearts Radio. We're going to go to a quick break, and we will be back again on the other side of 60 seconds. I'm sure you will stick with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Bravehearts Radio is sponsored by Bravehearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at mission specialist at braveheartsradio.org. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned in to voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're talking about championing social corporate responsibility. My guest is Charles Antis. He's the CEO and founder of Antis Roofing and Waterproofing. You know, coming into the third segment, I always say a little bit about the uh, National Day Calendar, nationaldaycalendar.com, one of the great sponsors of the Brave Hearts for Kids Pediatric Cancer Charity. Um, Today, October 5th, is Apple Betty Day, Child Health Day, Consignment Day, do Something Nice Day, Get Funky Day, and Rhode Island Day. Every state has their own day. You know, Child Health Day, that's uh, one near and dear to the Brave Hearts for Kids Pediatric Cancer Organization. Uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a tougher time than, uh, than, than, it, than it had even been before uh, COVID for the families with the kids that, that have uh, pediatric cancer. Um, so if you, uh, if you have a heart for it, uh, we do ask you to go to the BraveHeartsForKids.org site and find a place to donate now. And um, love to have your, uh, your support. And uh, if you feel like volunteering, there's lots of opportunities there, too. So uh, back with, um, with, with Charles Antis, we've got 
uh, one of the things that I was thinking about when you were you were uh, <coughs> uh, describing the, um, uh, the the last story was um, when when children have the opportunity to uh, you know hear a bedtime story and it's like tell me another one and I'm thinking man I, I want to hear another story Charles like what what else you got you know <laughs> um, you when, want when me we, to tell another we, story. I, I, yeah, I've got a quick intro for something. You know, I, I, I have this idea yeah. that <clears throat> when we, when we, when we do what we love, and what we, and we, and when we do what we're good at, when those things intersect, there's a sweet spot there, and I, I think of that as the, the place where we come alive. And um, you know, people that have uh, that have heard the show before, they've they've heard me reference Howard Thurman, who said, "Don't ask what the world needs; ask instead what makes me come alive, and then go do that." And um, I reckon that I what happens that. when you do that, when you when you do what you what you're really great at and what you love to do, when you hit that sweet spot that makes you come alive, that attracts what the world needs. That's what the world wanted from you anyway. And I, I think you've nailed it. And you're, you're putting roofs on and you're doing it for Habitat for Humanity. You're, you're giving, giving a roof to people because they need a roof. Uh, that's, a, that's a great story. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I love, I, love, I love giving. I think, though, you know, my first time I had awakening, I'm, I'm trying to tell this story really quick, but it, it, it didn't hit me until what happened until now. Um, and I grew up in a religion I'm no longer part of, but in that religion, I went, uh, I went on a mission to Thailand when I was 19. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want to go, but it was what you do. And, and uh, again, I'm no longer part of that religion, but over there, I'm doing, I go over there, and I was really happy when I got there that uh, uh, knocking on doors was against the law because I didn't want to do that. So it ended up being like a service mission, and I didn't really think that I liked service at that point because service to me was defined by stuff I didn't really want to do. You know, and then, but I, one day when I was on this mission, uh, another young man came in and said, hey, we're going to an orphanage. It's not, you're not going to like it. It's going to be smelly. There's going to be kids uh, that are, that are they, they cross-pollinate the physically and mentally handicapped. That's ideal. It's going to be hot. And so I wasn't expecting much when I went to this orphanage, but when we got there, I got separated from the people I was with, and I got put into this room. It's about 11 a.m., and it was a room about the size of a standard office, maybe, but it was, it was basic, and there was about 20 kids napping on the floor when I walked in that room. And when I walked in, a girl woke up, maybe nine years old, and she reached up with her face, and she smiled at me. And I noticed her right away because someone had been there earlier and maybe painted clown cheeks, like little red roses on her cheeks. And so this little beautiful girl with rosy cheeks looked up at me, and I made eye contact with her, and I felt better instantly. And then she did the thing, that international sign-up, come pick me up. She put her arms, these big, long arms, out wide. And so I was excited. I went over to pick her up. But when I went to pick her up, I was shocked because I thought she would weigh like 40 pounds, and instead she weighed like 15 pounds. But I, so I continued to pull her up to my, and, and held her to my waist, but I, I did that kind of that reaction you do when the neighbor holds you, a, a kid you don't want to hold, and I kind of bounced her off my hip. But as I went to bounce her off my hip, those arms dug in my shoulders. And then so I thought, okay, okay, I'm going to regroup. And I was, I was really, I remember I was stressed, and I, I, about 30 seconds later I did, okay, bounce, bounce, and this time when I went to kick her off, Two things happened. Her, her arms went all the way around, dug in the back of my back, and this time I felt her smile. I looked at her, and she was smiling at me. And it just, like, arrested me, you know, and I just, oh, I just held her. 
And, and that was this moment. Looking back, something was happening in me. Because I started going around. I didn't speak Thai yet. I was in Thailand. She didn't really speak English. She was about eight or nine, didn't speak English. But we were just pointing at pictures and talking and communicating in our own way. And, and I remember something really specific about that period. I remember that something was stirring up inside me. In fact, the only way I can describe it is growing up in a small town in the mountains of Oregon. My grandma cooked on a wooden stove, and she had this wooden stick she would stir this pot with. And it was like grandma was stirring something up inside me because I just was feeling alive. And then this really interesting thing happened. That same man that pushed me in that room came and said, hey, it's time to go. And I looked at my watch, and four hours had passed. And I had held that little girl for four hours, and I, I took her off, and I was sweaty. But something in me was alive that I'd never felt before. And, and, I, and I misread that story for a long time until maybe in my real adult years started sinking in. And you know, now it's like I thought I was there for her to save her or something because I went back and visited her again. But really... That happened to me because it awoke in me this thing that, like I said earlier, that now lets me serve on the board of Ronald McDonald House where, you know, it is unimaginable to ignore sick kids. And I get mm-hmm. to live that. And my people get to live that. And I think that that's a great story for me. That's the first time I ever remember really being struck by something foreign that wasn't described by somebody else that I had to learn. But as I go back and visit that story, it's extremely powerful awakening for me that I I always want to cherish. You know, when I talk about the aha moment, um, you know, at at the highest level, I I believe that the aha moment is the, uh, the, the spirit, uh, the spirit of the universe, the Holy Spirit, uh, God, the authentic voice, whatever people decide to call that, that, that speaks through us, not so much with words, but with understanding. And, there, you, and it sounds like you were struck with an understanding that this is good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's, it's, I, like, I, 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 I love it like the way you just said it. I don't like to find the language. You know why? Because I don't want to leave anybody out. It breaks my heart to leave anybody out. You know, and I think that that's one of, I, w- I didn't know, but I, I used to hear everything through so many filters. Mm-hmm. And now I, I don't allow myself to do that. So I like the way you describe that. Well, you know, I, I've uh, done uh, uh, a, a lot of a lot of spiritual work, I suppose. Uh, did some work with the C.S. Lewis Fellows Program here. Uh, C.S. Lewis has wrote some great uh, books on um, on Christianity and spirituality. In addition to Narnia, it's, he's most well known for, I think. But um, mm-hmm. the, the 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 idea that. Uh, that uh, God is infinite. And I remember having a discussion with some of the guys and, and they said, what does Jesus look like? And I said, he looks like a guy that lives under the bridge on North Avenue. They're like, what do you mean by that? He said, well, everyone, anyone. And, um, and that's, um, that's, an, that's a, 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 a sense of infinity. In, in, infinite? Yeah, infinite. Getting infancy and infinite confused here. So, uh, any any final final uh, thoughts for the last uh, couple minutes here? 
Well, I think I would say one thing I feel compelled to say, and that is that a lot of people my age is because I've been, I've been a catalyst for the roofing industry. I've got, I've been able to have my initiative of all the Ronald McDonald houses across the country adopted by over 200 roofing companies as part of the National Roofing Contractors Association. However, one of the biases that I've learned that's really strong, and I've been really successful at breaking this bias, and that's why I'm assuming that a lot of the baby boomers out there are saying things like, if you're a roofer or whatever you are, I'll donate a roof, but we're not going to talk about it. I had to fight that bias across the country, and I was able to show these people why we have to talk about it. Our generation often thinks that we can't talk about it because somehow God will, will curse us instead of bless us. That's our blessing. That's our reward if we talk about it. But if we talk about it and tell the stories of the people we're benefiting, then it allows it to grow. And so I have to show them if we don't talk about it, then how is it going to grow? And so that's my message out there is I'm not doing this because I'm some saint. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I mean, I do do it to feel good, to sleep at night. It's so important to me to have that balance. But mm-hmm. I'm doing it as a good business practice. And I'm, and I'm telling you, um, there's, you know, when, when a client thinks of our, our company, it's not like they, 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 it goes all the way to, well, they install the best roofs. But they, they'll describe it like this. I just feel good when I think about you. That's the ultimate thing you can want as a brand that translates into they install the best roofs. And it really does because of the attraction and retention of the top talent to a brand that, that, that does social good. So I just, I just wanted to compel those people that I'm not doing this because I'm Jean Valjean. I, I mentioned uh, Jean Valjean earlier from mm-hmm. Les Miserables. I failed to mention the, the play. I'm doing this because I love it. It's who I am, but I'm doing it because it's what you said earlier. If you're in business in this next millennium just to make money, good luck. You better know why you exist, and I exist to keep families safe and dry. And I'll tell you this, every nail matters. And, and <laughs> you know what? That's, what that's, that's what we've been talking about, championing social corporate responsibility with Charles Antis here on Bravehearts Radio. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this week. Check us out at uh, BraveheartsForKids.org. Uh, Please plan to join us next week. We'll be talking about the upcoming documentary film, I Have a Name. Uh and our guests, Jacqueline Hayes, Lucia Morrow, and Heather Edson, remember that doing good anywhere does good everywhere. And we'll see you next week. Until then, be well and stay well. Thanks again for joining us this week for Brave Hearts Radio. Be sure to tune in for another edition featuring your host, Brian Reinbold. The show can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again next time.